Hello, everyone. This is Raise Your Voice as part of the D-Raise Bay Podcast Network. I am your host, Brett Rutherford, and back on the show again tonight is Jim Turvey. Jim, baseball is back. The Rays are playing the Blue Jays this weekend. There was a lot of points throughout this summer. I did not think we were going to see the Rays take the field again in 2020, but it's happening. Baseball's returning. I'm really just happy to be able to sit down on my couch and either go to the MLB TV app or go to the Fox Sports app and, and watch some baseball, but obviously, of course, uh, Rays baseball. But uh, I don't know. Were you confident that we were going to get to see games this year? Honestly, I'm still not 100% sure. Like, I, until that That's first fair. game, I'm, I'm going to be like, uh, there's going to be a small to medium portion of my brain that's just like, are we sure this is going to happen? Like, honestly, it's like it snuck up on me so much because I kind of like shut my brain off to even the possibility yeah. of it happening. So, Well, and then at the beginning with summer camp, there were issues with the testing and the intake testing and the results and players were waiting on results and they weren't able to go practice. And and we everyone was kind of wondering, you know, how, does MLB have this ready? Are they ready to get going this season and doing it in a safe manner? And, and obviously, I don't know the 100% true answer if this is safe or not, but there are games that are going to be played, and we are going to talk about it because it's, it's exciting to, to see the Rays in the field, especially, and you were on one of the first episodes of Raise Your Voice uh, when we came over here to D-Rays Bay uh, to talk about how exciting this team was and, and all the exciting moves they made uh, during the offseason. Now we can start to see some of those come to fruition. I know one that you and I are both excited about, Yoshi Tsutsugo, making his way back from Japan. Uh, he, he went over there when everything shut down, got back to the U.S. Uh, he's in summer camp. He's ready to go. And, uh, it, you know, it, it's going to be a weird year. There's no way around that. Uh, but with all the other sports that are, are coming back, I'm taking what I can get. You know, no fans, that's okay. Fake crowd noise, sure, go for it. Uh, social distancing, please, please be social socially distant. Uh, but it it's fun, and now we get to talk about it, and Raise Your Voice can finally do what it, it's really meant to do, and that's recap Raise games, talk about Raise news, and, and get fans ready uh, at the start of your week for Raise baseball. And we've got Raise baseball this Friday. We're going to preview that Blue Jays series in just a bit. But I had to talk to Jim first, because when he was on earlier, we, we mentioned our out-of-the-park Raise saves. Now, Jim went ahead and, and, and simmed the rest of his uh, 2020 season I am in the middle of a move right now. I have not been, had a chance to hop on out of the park, uh, but I will probably be finishing it at some point. Maybe this week I can play while I'm watching some games. But, Jim, talk, talk, to, a, talk to me a little bit about uh, what went on in this 2020 season for, for your virtual raise. Yeah, well, if the actual 2020 season goes uh, anything like, like this one did, it will be, it'll be a good one for the raise. Maybe not the absolute best it could be, but, but pretty darn good. So, like you said, I, I took it through the, the full season. I figured we're going to have real baseball soon, so let's let's wrap up the, uh, the simulation. So um, when we last checked in, the Rays were tied for the division lead um, with, a, with a pretty strong record, and they only got better from there. They finished 162, so they got to the 100, magical 100 win mark, wow. winning the division by four over the Yankees, who then lost in the wild card as a nice little added bonus. So that was that was good to see. <laughs> So um, you got to make a disclaimer. You are not making any roster moves. You're not setting lineups, not making pitching. Exactly. This is the game. Now I have also been following um, baseball reference, baseball references running a 2020 sim and the Rays are not doing very well in this one. 
Um, so I guess there, there obviously there's going to be some variance in a game, just like there is variance in baseball. But good news to see that out of the park, at least in this save, uh, you know, rates the raise highly for this season. Well, and, and they we'll get to the maybe some of the individual players um, in a second, but they, yeah, so they they got to the postseason um, relatively easy four four game lead over the Yanks to get to the get to the postseason. Then they took out a little revenge series. They took out the Astros in four in the ALDS, which is awesome. Um, in a reverse of last year, where the Rays were the uh, home team, the higher seed. Um, and then, actually, surprisingly, the Angels took out the Rays in five in the ALCS. Um, then the, it was an all-LA World Series. The Dodgers prevailed in seven. So uh, Mike Trout and uh, Rendon and all those guys were, were enough to get the pennant in, uh, in this simulated season. But the Rays were really right there. And uh, I, I don't know if you want to go over any other postseason questions first, but I'll, I can rattle off some of the, the individual numbers from the season for the Rays were, were pretty awesome. Yeah, the Angels, I think this game loves the Angels. And obviously, they made um, some, some really good offseason moves. They brought in Joe Madden, who's had experience uh, in the World Series with both the Rays and the Dodgers, uh, bringing Anthony Rendon in. If he could continue what he was doing those last few years in Washington, is one of, if not the best third baseman in baseball. Uh, my biggest question mark in real life about the, the Angels is the pitching. I don't think they have quite – enough pitching to, to succeed, especially when you've got the Astros in that division and, and, and even the A's, and if they're healthy, healthy and get Frankie Montas back, I think they can uh, keep runs off the board a little bit better. But, yeah, I've had the same experience. The, the Angels, both in, both in last year's out-of-the-park game and this year's game, uh, the, the game really likes them. And Mike Trout, in, in one of my saves, put up, uh, I think, a 13-win season at one point. And uh, – it, it it's fun to kind of just follow him, follow Mike Trout's career along and out of the park because uh, I, I enjoy that more than I do uh, following along my own my own teams and my saves. But yeah, Jim, go ahead. Let's hear more about the Rays and, and and how some of the individual players did in your save. So the the standout for sure was uh, Austin Meadows. He had an absolutely bonkers year. So he was top five in all the following. And I'll, I'll give the stat and I'll give what his his final season number was to, to give a little context as well. So he was top five in batting average. He hit 318. Homers, he left the yard 44 times. Wow. RBI, he knocked in 142 guys. No. <laughs> Hits, he had 197. OPS plus 163. Scored 120 times. Had 376 total bases. And – he was fourth in the league with 7.5 war, which honestly, after all those numbers, I thought it'd even be a little bit higher. But I mean, just, maybe the defense brings him down a little bit potentially. <laughs> I mean, that's a fair. We've seen that in real yeah. life where he's a little sketchy in the outfield at some times. He's not at a, a peak position either, like a trout. Room for improvement is what I like to say. Room for improvement <laughs> yeah, for Mr. Meadows. Exactly. So that was great to see. Um, on the pitching side of things, I mean, the, the pitching was insane top to bottom all year. Um, they had. Three of the top seven guys uh, in ERA for the league. Charlie Morton had the lowest ERA at 2.92. And then Glasnow and McKay were both in the top seven as well. And Snell would have been in the top five if he just had seven more innings. So you're basically looking at four guys all in the top eight in the American League in ERA, which is pretty insane. Um, then in some of the uh, old school metrics, Glass now 17 wins led the league. So what that says to me, first and foremost, is he was on the mound every day, which 
if we can mm-hmm. get that even in a 60 game season yeah. due to a little bump in the road that we've got to start that'll be great you're second in the league in uh in strikeouts and then in the the bullpen uh there are three guys who combined for 120 innings below two sub two era fairbanks Kittredge and uh, a guy who we'll get to in a second because he's not a name that you're going to think with the Rays, but Ken Giles came over and was oh, and and so how did Ken Giles end up in St. Pete? So he uh, uh, it was a brief a brief St. Petersburg stint for uh, Hunter Renfro. They shot they shipped him out uh, around the deadline and got Ken Giles in a move that uh, it it may have worked out very well for the Rays. I I think trading a, a young a young slugging bat for uh, a relief pitcher may not be the, the, the first move a lot of Rays fans would want, but it, it worked out well this time. In, in terms of a straight-up uh, wins above replacement, I, I don't know if that even would work out mathematically for the Rays. I don't know how well Renfro is doing in your save, but you look at some of the outfield depth that the Rays have built up, and we talked about it. Randy Arozarena, a guy that would be a lock on a lot of rosters and how he was – and still is a bubble guy for the Rays in terms of if he's going to make the active roster. Uh, they brought in Jose Martinez, not really an outfielder, but he's there. Yoshi Tsutsugo can play in the outfield. So the Rays did build a lot of depth, even after they lost um, Guillermo Heredia, obviously Tommy Pham, and Avisel Garcia from their outfield did well to bring in a surplus of outfielders in the offseason. So, again, yeah, I, I don't think I would have pulled the trigger on, on trading a guy like Renfro who's under team control for any reliever, um, but it looks like, at least on the surface, worked out well for the Rays. Well, and like you know, actually, it was a good transition because uh, the Rays did exactly what you and I think are, are big proponents of. Rosarina got every day, started getting everyday plate appearances, and he ended the season with almost three wins in like 120 games played. So wow. he 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 looked every bit the the solidified starter borderline all-star that, that I think you and I both think is capable of joining him were Adamas had 4.2 war as well um, Brandon Lau around three and Jose Martinez around three in fact every hitter uh, besides McKay uh, put up a positive war so uh, they, they put up together incredible pitching with just solid no holes batting and a borderline MVP season for Meadows and that's going to get you to 100 wins yeah, were there any other moves made, notable moves besides the, the Giles trade? Yeah, so uh, I got four names that, that were traded out from minor pieces, and then one, one fun trade we'll, we'll end on. But uh, so uh, Yanni Chirinos, Anthony Bonda, Colin Poche, and Michael Brasso were all moved at some point in the season. Four pretty big-ish names, all, all on the major league roster at one point or another. So they were all out. And actually, most of those pieces were for just down the line. So that was kind of surprising to see. But the one that would have absolutely broken baseball Twitter that I got quite a chuckle out of, I, I, I wouldn't pull the trigger on this, but G-Man Choi was shipped out of town, but for Williams Astadio. So I think two players oh. uh, would, have, would have made baseball Twitter uh, go kind of bonkers there. Ooh, I don't know. Uh, yeah, again, I don't think that's a deal I would have made. But, hey, I mean, how did Astadio do? He did solid, and uh, I'll say I think the, the, the Sim was noticing Zunino's paltry slash line again and thinking maybe we need to <laughs> make a move behind the plate. He ended up he, – he did – he was in positive 
more, which you, when you when you're as good a, a backstop as he is defensively, that'll happen. But he hit under 200 with only a 352 slug, so I, it was pretty mm-hmm. ugly at the dish again for Zunino, unfortunately. And I wonder, I, I don't think Zanino is going to perform that poorly in real life. But again, with so many unknowns in this season, uh, 60 games, you know, 10 games, you know, a week and a half, it's yeah. a slow start. That's, you know, a sixth of the season, right? It's going to be so weird. Uh, and it's it's going to be, be really, it's going to be fun to, to keep up with it, especially with every game uh, meaning so much more in, in, uh, in I don't know. It's, I, I, I want to do, Hopefully out of the park, if it hasn't been done already, has put out a – or someone has modded the game and put out a 60-game season option for 2020, I think that would be fun to kind of mess around with. And maybe you have to deal with the finances of no fans. I don't know. Maybe that's a step too far. But I think, uh, I think that would be fun. Maybe, maybe that's something we'll, we'll start up if it, if, it's, if it becomes available to us. No, I love that. That's a great idea. And I do think – I think that uh... – it will be the perfect time to kind of get creative, which is what the Rays do. I mean, I, I, there's a reason they've become the kind of trendy team to pick here is, is this yeah. is a season of uncertainty and this is a team that kind of thrives in uncertainty. So I think it should be hopefully advantageous to the Rays. And, and that, that has been the storyline. And I, and I want to, I'll finish my 2020 season and probably give an update on one of these next few episodes. Um, but you mentioned it, a lot of people talking about the Rays and what this shortened season means for them and, and, and how it plays into their hand, especially with the way they built their team, depth in the pitching staff, depth, you know, at every position really, and maybe not catcher quite yet, but we'll get there eventually. Uh, Ronaldo Hernandez is, is coming up through the system. But with the 60-game season, a lot of question marks about the uh, futures bets for 2020. So uh, this maybe this, step, this uh, segment might, uh, be a little more favorable for the, the gamblers that are looking to play some 2020 futures <laughs> bets. Uh, I think they're, we're both looking at the, the DraftKings sports book and looking at their lines. And uh, I think we both have, have some uh, cool bets that might, you know, if you're a gambling person uh, might interest you uh, in regards to the Rays and, and, and baseball in general, but Jim, I'll let you start. Well, let's, let's start with the big one because we were just talking about how this season could play into the Rays' favor. They're they're kind of the trendy pick to to win the World Series right now. I think uh, it, was it either Buster Olney or Keith Law, and then uh, someone else. Raised, there's some big names are they're putting their their name behind the Rays, and right now the Rays are plus eighteen hundred. That's the sixth best odds, and that's a about a five point five five percent assumed percentage. If you go over to Fangraphs, they've got them at the Rays at six point seven percent. And any Rays fan is arguably going to double that in their mind because they're, they're going to be <laughs> irrationally hopeful. So you're getting a, a great bargain at that rate. So I, I definitely wouldn't mind allocating a little bit of capital uh, onto the Rays to, to win it all because, I mean, plus 1,800, that, that, that'll pay off almost uh, five to one, which uh, put a little bit of money there. It, you, you could pay out pretty well. Yeah, I like that. And, and I always go back to, and, and in order to talk about that a little bit more in a second, but when you're, when you're looking at uh, future bets to win the World Series or predicting teams to win the World Series, you want to look at who's got the easiest path to the postseason and then who's got the easiest path to advance in the postseason. So it's not necessarily about who's the better team. For example, hypothetically, if the Dodgers and the Yankees were in the same division, yeah, they could be the two best teams in baseball, but since they're in the same division, that decreases 
uh, both of their chances to, to make it all the way to the World Series by a lot because they, one of them will have a significantly you know, lesser chance of make, even making it into the postseason. So the Rays, you look at, they're in the AL East. I really think it's only going to be them and the Yankees competing for the division title. But the wild card is very, very different this year. And the reason because of that is that the AL East is playing the NL East for interleague games. They're not playing the AL Central, and they're not playing the AL West. You have 60 games on your schedule, 40 against the teams in your division, and 20 against your geographic uh, opponent in the, in the National League. Uh, you're not playing seven games against, you know, the Angels, the A's, the Astros, the uh, Indians, the Twins, and these other teams that you'd be competing for a wild card spot with, but you are still competing for a wild card spot against these teams. So really, maybe probably more than ever, strength of schedule matters in Major League Baseball this year. Uh, and it's something that I was a little unsure about. I know they ended up, for financial reasons, not expanding the, the postseason. I would have rather seen them do top two teams from each division, top two records in each league, get a bye, similar to uh, the NFL in some ways. But going to my, my first bet that I think uh, gamblers should take a look at is the race to win the AL East at plus 350. So I'm almost sure, and I said it, the Rays and the Yankees are the only contenders. I don't think the Red Sox will be able to pitch well enough. They lost, obviously, David Price in the Los Angeles Dodgers trade. He won't even be pitching this season. He opted out. And then uh, Chris Sale goes down with Tommy John surgery. Nate Avaldi is going to be starting on opening day for the Red Sox. He had a 5.99 ERA last year for the Sox. I know he did some good stuff in his very short time with the Rays, or his very short time that he was healthy with the Rays. Um, but the Red Sox, they're not going to be able to pitch this year. They do not have a good pitching staff. They can hit. They can for sure hit. They've got Xander Bogarts, Rafael Devers, and J.D. Martinez. But they're not going to be able to pitch the ball well enough to succeed in the AL East this year. The Blue Jays, even though they brought in Hinjin Ryu, and we'll obviously talk about that later on, not quite there. They're still young. They're getting there. The Orioles don't even have to say anything about the Baltimore <laughs> Orioles. So that leaves the Rays and the Yankees. And at full strength, I do think the Yankees are slightly better than the Rays, and they should be favored to win the World Series – or to win the AL East, rather. <laughs> but not at, at – I think they're at minus 305 to, to win the division. I, I, I do believe, and maybe I'm biased there, the Rays are – a lot closer to the Yankees than what these odds lead on. Yeah. So to, to piggyback off of that for, for two little points here. So that, that plus three fifty that you were quoting is a implied percentage of 20.6%. So you're saying basically a little over a quarter of the time, Fangraphs has the, the Rays winning the division 34.2% of the time. So that's a little more than a third of the time. That, that to me is one of the best bets you can make. I'd, I'd have it as my best bet, but my real favorite is, Right now, you can get the Rays even money, so it's it's minus one ten on either side, yes or no, to make the playoffs. I, yeah, maybe I'm too high right now, but that, uh, to, to even money to to make the playoffs seems like a just easy money. Again, and I haven't looked at the fan graphs percentage, but on the surface, I go back to the scheduling. You're you're playing those twenty uh, inter uh, interleague games against the National League East, and I do think there are four pretty good teams in that division. Everyone except the Marlins. Uh, those are tough games and you've got 10 games against the Yankees. That's a sixth of your schedule. And I don't know if Rays fans want to hear this, but as much as we talk about the 60 game se season and, and, and the way that it's going to be played, how that plays into the Rays hand, the scheduling definitely does not. 
uh, you're going to need, and we don't want to anticipate or hope for injuries, but this is going to be a weird year. And if you've got the A's that are still playing good baseball like they did last year out in the West, and they get to play teams like the Diamondbacks and the Rockies, and in their own division, they've, they've got the Mariners, uh, they could rack up a lot of wins, and the Rays could struggle to pick up wins against teams like the Mets if the Mets live up to expectations this year. Obviously, the defending World Series champions, the Washington Nationals, 10 games against the Yankees. That's going to hurt the Rays, no matter how, how you slice it. Um, but I do think minus 110 on either side, that's right about where I'd put it, about 50-50 uh, for the Rays to make the postseason. I haven't looked at fan graphs, though. So, well, yeah, I mean, and it's not the be all and end all, but Fangrass does have it 62%. I'm now, I'm not sure, I'm, I'd be curious. I'm sure they do have it with the, the updated schedule. But to, to me, looking over the AL, I think you make a great point that the, the schedule is tough. But to me, I think the Twins run away at the Central. And I think, I don't think, Cle- I think Cleveland, the window is closed. And I think Chicago, it's one year away. So then to me, and I, I do think Houston and Oakland will come out of the West. And then it comes down to me is, is are the angels the moves they made are they enough and i agree with the point you made earlier i don't see the pitching being there especially with having to do a, a six-man rotation because you have a special talent like otani but when pitching is already a weakness and then having to rely on six starters instead of five uh i i, I like to raise the raise chances there yeah yeah i do think that there is a really good chance but if there is one key injury or one key absence from the team due to anything that's that's covid related that's a big damper on the season and obviously you know it's no one's fault if they uh you know test positive for coronavirus but that is going to hurt the team and and definitely in terms of the gambling standpoint uh you've got to be wary of those things and uh, what Jim and I say on here is definitely not the end all be all for gambling. Do not, you know, be wary is a good slogan for all of this in a 60 game <laughs> season. <laughs> I think that is uh, maybe, maybe the title of this podcast. I don't know. I'll figure that out later in post, um, but I've got a couple other, not throwaway bets. I don't want to call them throwaway bets, but if you're looking at maybe more of long shots for the Rays, you got Tyler Glass now who was before he got injured last season, one of, if not the best pitcher, in the American League. He was on pace to go on and win the Cy Young Award if he had kept pitching at, at that rate, which you know may or may not have happened. And then you've got the 2018 uh, Cy Young Award winner, Blake Snell, who uh, I talked about it with Brian Menendez on the show. His surface level stats weren't as, obviously not as great as in 2018 when he won the Cy Young, but a lot of the data showed that Blake Snell was, in some facets of his game, just as good, if not better, in 2019, his curveball was still nasty. The, the, the stat cast data uh, really backed that up. The spin rate on his pitches were, were really, really solid. And I think there's a lot of reason to believe that Blake Snell is going to get, uh, you know, in terms of run prevention, uh, closer to his 2018 form than he was in 2019. So you look at Tyler Glasnow and Blake Snell, who are at plus 3,300 and plus 4,000, respectively, to lead baseball in strikeouts. Now, the reason I don't think these guys will – either of these guys will win the – you know, will lead the league in strikeouts or will lead baseball in strikeouts is because the, I don't see the Rays letting them loose to pitch that many innings compared to guys like Verlander and Scherzer and probably Garrett Cole with the Yankees and with how much money he's making. Uh, Glass now and Snell, who are still young, the Rays are going to want to keep a hold on these guys. I wouldn't be shocked if – for Glasnow and Snell, 
that their first two first few outings are three, four, maybe five innings, but probably not much more than that. Uh, and but if the Rays let these guys loose, their, their strikeout stuff is good enough, you know, is, is good enough to lead baseball in strikeouts. So at plus thirty three hundred, and at plus four thousand, I think there is a lot of value in these guys uh, to, for that bet. Well, I think I think you hit the nail on the head because when I was when I was going through these, the first the first prop I came across was Cy Young, and that those numbers almost make a little more sense. You see Snell at plus nine hundred, Glassnow plus twelve hundred, Morton plus twelve hundred, and that's kind of the range that we would put these pitchers in. But you're hundred percent right. I don't I don't think that they're going to get the innings that some of the the big guys are going to get. That being said, I could I, the Morton plus thirty three hundred to lead the league in strikeouts is so tempting because. In a world he is, where he does go out on the mound every like he it, it, to get plus thirty three hundred, which is paying out thirty three to one, so it's implying a three three percent um, chance of happening. I could see a three percent chance of Glass now being out there on the mound relatively regularly, and then if that happens, it's almost it's almost fifty fifty if he leads the league in strikeouts. And he doesn't even need to pitch as many innings as some of these guys. I know Cole has crazy strikeout stuff, but. You know, Glass now strikes out batters at such a high rate that it, he doesn't need to pitch as many innings as some of these guys. So I, I really like this one. And an encouraging sign for Tyler Glassnow, who did test positive for COVID-19, uh, self-quarantined, and was able to get back to summer camp. On his first or second day back, pitched a simulated game and went like three and a third innings. Uh, so I don't know how he's been working out with the Rays and, and how they've been building him up. But that is a good sign that we could see Glass now pitch not a normal amount of innings. Uh, obviously, with the 60-game season, he's, he's not going to go out there and throw a complete game uh, in his first start. But the Rays might be willing to let him go five, maybe six, um, early on in the season. And, and with what we saw out of him at the beginning of last year, he has got all the tools. He's got the stuff uh, to, to be one of the best right-handed pitchers in baseball jim did, did you have any other uh, mlb bets that are maybe not raise related i got well i got two i know you got a couple mlb ones i got two more raise for ones for you before we we move on to league wide one one that i wish existed and one that i i think i'll have to uh put a little bit of capital on which <laughs> is uh meadows now maybe i'm completely biased by the the sim that just finished in which he went absolutely <laughs> went off but looking at him, 6,600 plus 6,600. So that's playing 66 to one uh, to win MVP is, is real tempting. Cause I think like we both agree, the Rays are going to be there at the end of the year. So say they, they take the division, then they're going to kind of have the narrative of being like the team. Uh, and if you look at a, a roster that really doesn't have a whole lot of superstars, we've said that uh, as both a, a pro and a con, that the depth is so amazing, but Meadows is the one guy who really popped so to get him at 6600 to uh plus 6600 66 to one odds to win mvp i think i have to have to go there for a minute um and then the one that i wish was there and i, I didn't see was uh Gandhi diaz leading the league in runs i i don't think it would happen mm. but i was looking for him down at the bottom of like the in that same yeah. range we're just talking plus 6600 or so because i i'd love to see him at the top of the the lineup again and with the, the walks he draws and what should be a a pretty solid raise uh, lineup. It, it seemed like a decent bet, so maybe I'll have to pester the powers that be to create a, a bet for Yandy. Yeah, no, I, I, I like that one. And, and Yandy, he's obviously going to hit leadoff against lefties, but I believe the raise, and I, I have to look at it, they hit him leadoff against right-handed pitching. And even though we've talked about him about being a guy that smashes left-handed arms, 
he can hit against righties too. You can look at the splits from last year, and, and he, he was he was just as good. You know, he he just hits. The guy hits, and, and if you see him, uh, the, the, there's no questions about it. Uh, I was just watching the the um, wild card game highlights again the other night just to feel something, you know. And, and those two <laughs> those two Yandy Diaz home runs just complete oh. pure power uh, to to the right center field uh, at, at the Coliseum in, in Oakland. Man, I miss baseball, and I've missed Yandy Diaz. <laughs> I feel you, man. It, it, it's going to be it's going to be real real fun to get it back, even if it's in its weird semi weird status it's in or whatever. But it, it will it'll be great to see it again. Yeah, for sure. Now I've, I've got a couple bets around baseball, and 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 both of them are around the LA Dodgers, who I believe are the uh, the favorites to win the World Series. And you can get them on DraftKings to win the World Series at plus 375. That is the best odds on DraftKings, so they agree with me. Uh, and the reason for that, <laughs> and I mentioned it earlier, they have the easiest path to the postseason. They're playing in the NL West, which, you know, obviously other than the Dodgers, probably the worst division in baseball. You've got the Rockies, you've got the Diamondbacks, uh, teams, uh, the, the San Francisco Giants. You've got uh, Johnny Cueto starting on opening day. They're a lost cause. Uh, who knows where, where they're going to end up. <laughs> but, but the Dodgers are, are going to win that division, uh, hands down. And then uh, in the National League, I still think they have a very solid path to the postseason. Uh, them and the Yankees are, are probably the only mortal locks, 100% chance they make it to the postseason. And, and even that, I don't know if that's true this year with its short season. Uh, that alone makes this a good bet. The fact that they're 100% going to make it to the postseason then you look at how this team improved in the offseason. They brought in David Price and Mookie Betts. Now, we know David Price isn't going to pitch this season. But Mookie Betts, adding Mookie Betts alone, and they only lost uh, from their big league roster, Alex Verdugo, in that trade. Uh, in the regular season, that's a huge upgrade. In the postseason, with such a small amount of games, it doesn't make a massive difference, uh, but it definitely helps. And the Dodgers don't really need any help, not only making it to the postseason, but making it to the World Series, back to the World Series in 2020 after the, the Nationals got the best of them in, in 2019. And then real quick, I'll just you know tag on to that. Uh, DraftKings also has some really great head-to-head -head bets that you can place uh, for uh, between teams to see who's going to win more games. And I've talked about scheduling a lot. And there's a lot of these. I looked through their website. There's a lot of these matchups, and there's a lot of interesting picks. But the one I like the most, and the one I think that will be the most fun and easiest to follow because they'll be on TV a lot is the Dodgers to win more games than the Yankees at minus 120. Uh, the Dodgers have 40 games against the NLS. Done deal. The Yankees got to play the Rays 10 times. You know, the Red Sox might get the best of them a few times. They got to go play teams like the Mets, who they've been beating up on in these exhibition games that are on TV. Uh, <laughs> and, and, and some of the other teams in the NL East, like the Nationals and the, and the Braves and the Phillies, uh, I, I think, and again, it could, this could be a you know a two or three game swing, but with the Dodgers' schedule in the NL West, I really like them uh, to to win more games in the regular season um, than the Yankees. Well, it's interesting. I, I've been trying to, knowing that I was going to need to make some bets on the on the ensuing sports seasons coming up. I've been <laughs> trying to look to the the seasons that return to see if in this kind of weird COVID state. Is it that you should ride favorites or you should look for crazy upsets because anything can happen in 60 games? And, of course, that's not helpful because on the one hand, you look over at, like, the Bundesliga for soccer in, in Germany and Bayern Munich has come back and just trampled everyone. But then 
On the other hand, you watch the NWSL over here in the United States. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you follow, but the, the yeah. top three seeds just lost to the bottom three seeds in the first round. So chaos is running supreme there. So not sure it's helpful either way, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah. it, it, it's going to be interesting uh, nonetheless. Yeah, for sure. And yeah, MLS too. I the Orlando City's winning games, and they were. Yep. I thought they were going to be a terrible team going into the season. I'm mean, I'm just biased against Orlando City. I I hate them, but that's another story for 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 another podcast. But Jim, what do you say we get down and dirty with the Toronto Blue Jays preview for this weekend? Awesome, I love it. Let's do it. So yeah, the baseball's back. The Rays play Friday, Saturday, and Sunday a three-game set at Tropicana Field against the Toronto Blue Jays. Now, no fans will be in attendance, but I believe you can get a cutout of yourself uh, placed in the stands at the Trop. I don't know. That, that feels kind of creepy for me. I don't know if I want to see my face on TV just chilling <laughs> in the stands as a cardboard cutout. And also, I don't know if I want to spend that. I think it's $60 or whatever to do it. But and that, with no guarantee that your face is going to actually you're gonna be able to see yourself. I don't know. You got to my the team for getting creative, but yeah, I don't, it, it'll be it'll be uh, everything's new, man. It's it's all going to be so strange to see. If it brings in revenue for the team, I'm all exactly. for it uh, because there there obviously is going to be a lot of lack of revenue with no fans in attendance. I know the Rays thought about it. Uh, the Rowdies were allowing 140 fans in. And, uh, I don't know if that's the best decision. Apparently, they were they were distant and had masks on. Uh, not my see, not my call to make, but. Yeah, seems like uh, why why push it for 140? But hey, yeah, not not our call to make, like you said. Especially not in Florida. I know things are a little yeah. bit different up north, uh, Jim. But yeah, <laughs> I don't know. Again, not our decision to make. We're not going to talk about it. We're going to talk about the Rays and, and, and the baseball going on this weekend. So looking at the Blue Jays, they had a pretty active offseason. Uh, they bring in guys like Travis Shaw, Tanner Roark. They bring in Shun Yamaguchi um, from Japan. And then uh, in one of the biggest free agent signings of the, of the offseason, they bring in a left-handed pitcher, Hinjin Ryu, who at one point last season was on pace uh, to win the, the Cy Young. He fell, fell backwards a little bit towards the end of the season. Jacob DeGrom comes in and wins it. But I've got to pull it up, Jim. Ryu at one point was like on a record-setting pace with, for ERA Plus last year. And, and the Blue Jays bring him in on a four-year, $80 million deal in terms of all the big moves that were made this past offseason, where, where does this one rank for Toronto? Uh, I, I love Ryu. I, I'm really excited to see him get get the chance to be a number one somewhere because I, I think he does have that talent. I mean, if you look at the season before, again, it's a, an abbreviated season. He only threw 82 innings, but he was a sub-two ERA guy that year. And, and both years, the FIP hasn't quite matched. I mean, it's, it's hard to run a 2.3 FIP, but – his fifth mm -hmm. each year was right around three. I, I think he's one of the more more underrated uh, pitchers in the game just because of how, how L.A. typically handled him. They didn't fully transition him into being uh, a, a real starter the last couple of seasons. They kind of played with him in the bullpen back and forth. But every season that he's pitched, he's been great. Even going back to 2013, he threw almost 200 innings at a, at a three-era clip. So I, I, I think this was a great move for the, the Blue Jays, a team that I, I see being – probably a year or two away but to get a guy like that and they've, they've loaded up their infield so well to, to get kind of a heavy ground ball guy like Ryu um I, I, I it was one of my favorite moves of the offseason to be honest yeah you look at the Blue Jays who whose lineup looks like it's straight out of the 90s Biggio Bichette Guerrero uh and then they bring in a guy like Ryu uh, yeah they, they, I think 
if, if Ryu keeps it up, that's a great uh, corner piece for their pitching staff. They've got the position players to make it happen, and they might be only a few pieces away going into 2021. I looked at Ryu's numbers, and maybe it's because he was kind of living under the shadow of some of those other really strong pitchers in L.A., obviously Clayton Kershaw. Maybe it's because he missed a lot of time. He didn't pitch really at all in 2015 and 2016. He made one start in 2016 that I did not realize outside of last year how good he's been. He's got a 2.98 career ERA, pitched over 740 innings, a career 129 ERA plus and a 3.32 FIP. You look at it the last uh, – he had a 198 ERA plus in 2018 over 15 starts, and then last year led the National League with a 179 ERA plus over 29 starts and finished with a 2.32 ERA, the, the best in baseball. And I, before I looked at his numbers today, I kind of just had it in the back of my mind. Well, last year wasn't necessarily an anomaly. It's not a trend. And although, you know, I don't expect him to pitch as good as he did last year, that, that's hard to, to replicate. But his entire career, he's been so effective. And, and like you said, now that he gets a chance in Toronto, and we know how much Canada loves the Blue Jays and how much you know they buy into that team. Having a, a guy like Ryu to be able to step into the spotlight there and be the guy, that could be really huge for him in his career. He's entering his age 33 season, so he's not necessarily young anymore, but he's still got – he could still have five or six more really effective big league seasons and he's got a four-year deal with Toronto, really great signing for them. And if they want to compete in that four-year window, bringing him in was a great place to start. I had no expectation of him going to the Blue Jays, going into the offseason. And yet, and yet again, you know, and another great pitcher in the AL East, you've got how many Cy Young Award winners. Uh, they, obviously, you lose David Price, which is another one. But across the division, so many great pitchers, except, sorry, Baltimore, you don't get to be in on this conversation, at least not yet. Um, <laughs> But yeah, you know, the Blue Jays, I, I, I like what they did. And they're not quite there yet. But the fact that in game one on opening day, we get Hinjin Ryu versus Charlie Morton. Uh, that is a marquee pitching matchup. Both were Cy Young Award finalists last season. And, and they're both really, really good pitchers. Ryu never faced the Rays. This will be his first start against the Rays in his career. Charlie Morton has six starts against the Blue Jays, and he's pitched extremely well against Toronto, a 2-3-9 ERA over those six starts. Three of those starts, obviously, were last season when Morton joined the AL East. Morton had a 3-0-3 ERA in those starts, over 17 and two-thirds innings pitched, and he struck out 23 batters. And uh, he has done extremely well against the Blue Jays, and I don't really see a reason for that to change going into Friday's game. Jim, what do you think about this pitching matchup? Yeah, I, I again, like we were saying, I the the Blue Jays made a couple moves that I liked. What one that they did uh, on the offensive side of things is they are moving Vladito off of uh, the hot corner. He's going to yes. be the DH. They bring they brought in Travis Shaw. I'm a pretty big Travis Shaw guy. He would he was also pretty terrible last year. He was one of the worst hitters in baseball. But if you dig into the numbers a little bit, the stack pass numbers they like Travis Shaw a little bit. Um, and I think the, the Blue Jays may have played this perfectly where they kind of take a one-year flyer on both seeing if Travis Shaw can bounce back and seeing if uh, Vladdy Jr. can hold his value as a DH. If he comes out and is posting a 140 OPS plus and Shaw's putting up a two to three worst season, now you've got two positions solved instead of 
trying to run Vlad out there at third and having him lose a fair amount of value just because he, he he really isn't mobile enough uh, for that position. So I, I, I did like that that move quite a bit. I think the lineup still it's it's not quite a, up to par with with some of the the contenders in the AL. You see. Like Lordy Scorielli is solid. The the young kids Bichette, Biggio. I, I'm a, I'm actually a huge uh, Kevin Biggio guy. I'm a big uh, plate discipline guy, and he's he's right up there for for plate discipline numbers. So I gotta gotta respect that. But Randall Grichuk. I mean, there there's names, but it's not it's not gonna put the fear of God into Charlie Morton or or any of the race starters for sure. Well, that that's interesting. We, we got to talk about some of these other games. We have we, well, Ryan Yarbrough is going to start on Saturday. We have no idea who's going to be facing yet. But by the time you listen to this, you, you might have a better idea. Uh, but we also don't know who's going Sunday. So this is not a traditional rotation, at least to start the season for the Rays, with everything that's been going on. Obviously, Glass now just breaking into camp. Blake Snell not pitching until at least Sunday, but it sounds like probably Monday or even Tuesday for Blake Snell. Just based on his schedule and getting him ramped back up for the season. So it's kind of hard to preview this entire series. Usually we have a much better idea, even for the Rays, when you have no idea who's going to pitch. We usually do have a better grasp of who's going to be on the mound. So we've got Charlie Morton on Friday, Ryan Yarbrough on Saturday, and uh, to be determined on Sunday. Could be, well, Torinos, I, I think he's just getting back involved. There's, there's a lot of other stuff, but maybe you see Brendan McKay. Maybe you see a bullpen day. I don't know. I, I trust uh, Kevin Cash, and uh, I almost said Jim Hickey. Well, I trust Kevin Cash and uh, uh-huh. Kyle Snyder on that one. Uh, looking at the Rays roster, Jim, the the catching situation just got a little clearer. Chris Herman released from the team. So on the 60-man player pool, which now sits at 59 players, the Rays are down to Mike Zanino, Michael Perez. In terms of catchers, Mike Zanino, Michael Perez, Kevin Smith, and Ronaldo Hernandez, who we don't expect to play at all this year. Um, but three catchers that could potentially play in the big leagues, and you know obviously will. And then that last spot would be between Kevin Smith and Michael Perez. Do you think there's a chance both Perez and Smith make the opening day roster and they have them both for that series against Toronto? If not, which one do you think has the edge right now? I I honestly would not be shocked if if both guys are on there. There there are a lot of question marks behind the plate. Um, as a as a Zunino skeptic myself, I maybe have more <laughs> questions than others. But I, I I wouldn't be shocked. And there is they, they've got so much versatility on some of their infielders and outfielders. Uh, they can really play a lot of positions that it 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 wouldn't surprise me, and I I, I wouldn't mind it at all really if they if they kept those three catchers and kind of made sure everyone was as fresh as humanly possible on the day that they got out there. Yeah. Um, maybe, maybe certain guys click with certain catchers. It's, it's a strange season. Uh, I, I, I wouldn't hate the three catchers. No, and, and Kevin Smith, I think a little better of a hitter than, than Michael Perez. Uh, Michael yeah. Perez does swing it from the left side. I know the Rays like to set up the, the, the right lefty righty matchups. And I think that would be a really got, good opportunity to have him on the roster, but with the roster starting opening day, with 30 spots as opposed to 26, which will eventually a month into the season cut down to, you could see three catchers. I'm starting to think they're going to go Kevin Smith. They're going to want the extra bat, especially if Zanino, who's done well in summer camp, and some of these intra-squad games and sim games, uh, they might want Smith there to, to be able to swing it off the bench. Um, but other than that, you know, a lot of other interesting roster decisions to be made. I, I'm a big Peter Fairbanks guy. 
I'd love to see him get a chance uh, to start the season and, and let that slider run. Uh, the, the bullpen's got to come to shape. I, I, I believe the last we heard from Neander, and I haven't looked into this, there is no limit on pitchers you can have on your roster. So with the normal roster, I think it's nine. You can't have – or not nine, uh, 14 pitchers. So that, that gives you like five starters and nine relievers. Uh, I, I, I don't think they have those limits just to, at all this season with, with the, all, everything that's changed. So that could play into the Rays' hand. They might go with the nine-man bullpen. Um, you know, I think that probably be it. I don't think they would go 10, uh, but to start the season, who knows? And uh, it, it's going to be interesting. Yeah, I mean, there's there, and if anyone has the names to roll with a 10-man bullpen, it's it's the Rays. I mean, I know, shout out to Ian Malinowski. He's going to want to see the Joe Ryan train arrive at some point this season. Yeah. Uh, so th- there's there's plenty of Ryan Sheriff. There's names in that bullpen that I, I would love to see get a shot in a season like this. And and this is your time that you have that bigger roster that some guys on a, on a team like the Rays – where there is so much depth at every position, it really can be hard to crack that that roster. As as Nate Lowe and and Rosarena, some of these guys know that that this is the season to to give a shot, even if it's it's going to be a small sample. It's a, a sixty game season, but I would love to see some of those guys uh, get their their opportunity. Yeah, you know Ryan Yarbrough on Saturday. Hard to preview that game. Don't know who he's going up against, but everything we saw at Yarbrough last season, I think that's really promising. I have no idea. Um, how many innings he's going to be given. I think it is a huge vote of confidence for uh, Yarbrough. Given the start, he was a headliner a lot last year, pitching behind an opener. He's getting a start in the second game of the season. I think that's huge for a guy like Yarbrough, who some people thought that maybe his confidence took a hit when uh, Kevin Cash pulled him with one out to go in the ninth in Seattle. I, I don't buy into that narrative, and I don't think Ryan Yarbrough did either. Um, but good to see him get the start in game two. The last thing we really need to talk about is the Toronto Blue Jays. They're dealing with a lot of uncertainty aside from the roster and aside from the season, and that is finding a home stadium. So the Canadian government pretty much denied them from being able to play their regular season games in Toronto. So they're not really going to be the Toronto Blue Jays this year. Uh, The Rays will have five games against the Blue Jays that are on the road but they're not going to be at the Rogers Center. Now, it hasn't been decided where they're going to be. I know Buffalo up by you, Jim, is an option, and uh, Dunedin uh, right down the street from the Rays where they play spring training, and they have a Florida State League affiliate uh, there. They could play there. There were also rumors about the Trop being an option. I don't think that's possible with the schedules and the conflicting uh, you know, games that they, both teams play have a home game on the schedule for the same Doesn't day. Doesn't like it would be the Blue Jays' first choice either. Yeah, I don't think so. Uh, but Dunedin, I've been to that stadium. I don't know if that would be a great choice for them either. I know. Oh, I'm more mean to play your home games at a division rival stadium. Yeah, you get over it. But if you get a big league locker room out of it, even if it's a visiting locker room, yeah, you, you, you might take it. Because uh, that stadium down the road in Dunedin, it's old. And I know they're renovating it with public money, which is a different story again. Um, but I don't think that's been done yet. So not really meant for a big league team to play in in the regular season. I don't know what it's like up in Buffalo with the stadium up there for their AAA affiliate is like, um, but might work out for them. That is a big unknown for them. And that maybe and probably will play at least some sort of factor in, in how ready they are for the season. They've already been going through a lot. They were, their players were told that they would be uh, fined if they left their, their bubble. I know in, in, in the U S the players for base for baseball, 
aren't really confined to a bubble like you see with the NHL or with the NBA. Um, so things are a little bit different for Blue Jays players. And in terms of, and, and I think this is an important part of the game, mental health and, and psychological factors that go into preparing for Major League Baseball season, that's definitely something to note when it comes to the Blue Jays. Oh, for sure. And for such a young team, too. I mean, it, it, it's going to distract a team of, of any age, but the, the uh, excuse me, the Jays are, are such a young team right now that it, it's got to be, their heads have got to be spinning a little bit. I mean, you're, you're trying to focus on your first full major league season and suddenly you don't even know where you're going to be playing your games. I mean, if I, if I were a Blue Jays fan, I would definitely be a little bit, a little bit bummed out that this, I might've been building this up as a potential breakout year. And now I, I feel like I'm kind of kicking the can down the road and saying, hey, maybe 2020 is a wash, get some experience for these guys, but let's come back. Uh, let's come back at them in 2021. Cause those guys are going to have been better in the second half of the season, which isn't going to really exist. And, and mm-hmm. to, on top of that, have the stadium questions. It, it, you, you don't want to see it for any team, um, but for a raised rival, it, it, it probably in theory at least would, would make the, the uh, schedule a little bit easier. We'll see though. Yeah, for sure. And Jim, you don't have to throw out any predictions for this weekend. If you don't want to, I know again, we don't know the pitching matchups, so that makes things a little bit more difficult. I think the Rays are going to take two out of three. I think it's hard for any team, even if you're much better than the other team, to, to pull off a sweep to start a season like this. Uh, opening day could be a tough one for the Rays. Uh, if They struggled at some points last year against left-handed pitching, but it could be a tough one. Maybe Yandy Diaz uh, leads off the season with a home run. That would be beautiful. Uh, but I, I don't know which games they're going to win, but I have the Rays taken two out of three here. I'm with you. I think two out of three is a safe bet. And I'm also with you in thinking that the opener may be the trickiest game of the bunch. Um, the Blue Jays, uh, their rotation doesn't have too, too much depth to it. Um, and Ryu is the guy who he seems like he's made and allowed to, to shut down the Rays. Lefty uh, sinker ball. I, I, I see two out of three. Um, and I wouldn't even stress too much if, if the first one uh, goes the Jays way. For sure, yeah, and we're going to get to watch, and I'll be back on Monday to, to talk about it and preview the next couple of series. Uh, but, but Jim, thank you so much for hopping on again today. You, uh, you provided some great insight, as always. Now, we talked about futures bets early on in the show. Jim and I are co- uh, collaborating on a futures bet article that will go on the site at some point this week before the season starts, obviously, because you can't place any futures bets after the first pitch, which will be on Thursday. So Jim and I are working on that. Uh, make sure to check out that and all the other great work that's being done on DRaceBay.com uh, to get everyone ready for the season. Lots of great stuff there. I know the writers at DRaceBay are uh, excited for game recaps to start up again uh, once the season starts. But that is going to do it for today's episode of Raise Your Voice. I know we missed last week. I was a little bit busy. Like I said, I was moving and had a lot of other stuff going on. But now the season's back. Raise Your Voice is back. And uh, thank you guys for listening. Uh, you can, uh, if you could rate and review this podcast and the D-Rays Bay podcast feed, that is the best way to spread uh, our shows to more and more Rays fans. Once again, thank you guys for listening, and I'll talk to you next week. Boom. Awesome.